for teachers to realize it's not selfish to want to be efficient. If you have more left to give to your students because you're not burnt out, because you're not overworking, that is a huge gift that you're giving to them. The topic for today's podcast is developing efficient and effective practices for teaching remotely while managing teacher workload. Can you just say one more time? Tech Talk for Teachers. Want to practice? Tech, tech Talk for Teachers. The podcast where teachers discuss how technology can positively transform teaching and learning. I'm Rena Clark. I'm Paul Beckerman. And I'm Pam Beckerman. We are digital learning specialists. And we're here to share actionable teaching strategies for remote and blended learning. Education Education is our passport to the future. All right, our quote for today is from Brene Brown. The core of authenticity is the courage to be imperfect, vulnerable, and to set boundaries. Pam, what speaks to you in that one? Oh, I love Brene Brown. I It's the courage to be imperfect, which makes me think of another quote, perfect is the enemy of good. And I think being good during these transformational times in education is something to celebrate. Absolutely. Rena, how about you? Well, I, Pam kind of took mine. Uh-oh. Um, so I would say I'll pull from that that we need to set boundaries and that self-care is more important than it ever has been. Um And we need to give ourselves time and setting boundaries is going to help us with that. And it's going to help our mental health. And it's actually going to give us more energy for our students, for our families. And in the end, that's going to help us be both more effective and efficient. Excellent. Actually, why don't you kick us off on our uh, topic today, Rena? All right. So there really are three components to managing teacher workload. Um, So we need to think about how we can be both effective and efficient, and we can do that. So I I think a good place to to start is to divide and conquer. So Mm. use your PLC. If you don't have a PLC, because I know in our district we have some like specialists or these one-off teachers and they don't feel like they don't have a PLC in their building, well, then find a PLN, which is a professional learning network, or some other, find your people. I know, I think last episode we talked about how important it is to be part of a group and how that can change you. So it's going to be so important to find your people and then divide and conquer. I know I was thinking, I was just talking to my brother. So he teaches fourth grade um, with a team of teachers and they've kind of divvied out one person's taking math, one person's taking literacy, someone's doing science, social studies. And so they are able to create those lessons because I know he does (laughs) these really funny map raps and he makes YouTube videos (laughs) and it takes him like two hours, but it's okay because he's not in charge of all the other pieces. And then they share those. And then if they want to, they have the ability to manipulate them to be best for their students, but they're not creating content for every subject because that would just be insane. That's a recipe (laughs) for burnout, right? Yeah. So what are your thoughts around maybe some strategies? Well, first of all, I thought that you had a t-shirt moment there, Rena. Actually a two-sided t-shirt moment. (laughs) It was like, find your people on the front, and divide and conquer on the back. It's like, whether you're coming or going, people are going to get a great message. I think that's a sticker for laptops, actually. (laughs) Oh, I like that, too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, I was thinking effective and efficient. Um, You know, we talked about it a couple episodes ago. Uh, Some of these teachers that are 
teaching with three different groups of students mm -hmm. all at the same time. They might be on an A-B hybrid model where half their kids are face-to-face -face and half are distance or remote. And then they also have maybe a group of full-time remote students who have opted into just a full-time distance learning mm -hmm. model because they're not comfortable coming to school right now. Um, how do we de develop something so that we're not doing three lessons every day because that's overwhelming for anybody, even our very best teachers. And, and if you're elementary, times that by every subject. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I know that's where some people are, you know, stressing out right now. Absolutely. Well, one great strategy at elementary, you know, if you can teach your social studies and science in your ELA curriculum, um, leave those together, that interdisciplinary, mm -hmm. you'd be all over that, Rena. That's project-based learning. We're going to talk about that later. We're going to talk about that. <laughs> and actually, project-based learning was one of the uh, the strategies that I was thinking of. Hmm. Any Anybody can work on a project, whether they're at home or at school. What might be different maybe is the check-ins that you're having with the kids. So maybe when they're face-to-face, -face, it's a personal check-in. You pull a couple kids aside. You're working with them. You talk to a group in person. And then your remote kids, if it's an A-B schedule, you'd, you'd catch almost half of them the next day. And then those full-time distance kids, you'd have to set up some sort of a video conference meeting mm -hmm. for them um, so that you could still check in because it's really important that we don't forget about those kids. They don't deserve any less quality education than the kids that we're seeing face-to-face. -face, and we need to find that balance to, uh, to bring that personal touch to all the kids. Absolutely. And I just want to add that the idea of planning for three, because I know we're in the midst of, we don't know for going back. It mm -hmm. might be in a week. It might not be. Um, so this is really stressing out some of our teachers. And I'm like, if you just plan, um, I believe in your article, there's an article at Avid Open Access that talks about this, but start with planning for 100% remote learning mm -hmm. and how that could work. And then tweak those little changes, like you mentioned, like what might this look like in person? So then you can easily shift and it's not going to cause you to have to redo everything. Yeah, it's it's much easier to take a distance lesson and modify it for mm -hmm. in person than the other way around. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And even if you're not starting distance, it's an opportunity to prepare your students to do the shift if you have to. Mm -hmm. to get those digital skills and routines down while you're with them. Because I know we've got some classes that are face-to-face, -face, but the data is suggesting that might not last too long into the future. So. Yeah, and we've got classes where maybe somebody becomes exposed and yep. then they have to quarantine or a whole class has to quarantine and it wasn't expected. But mm -hmm. tomorrow you need to be distant and distance learning or remote learning. And how do you do that? <laughs> you can still be warm. You don't have to be distant. Okay. <laughs> I appreciate that. I want my classroom to be warm. <laughs> Say, Pam, what's Twitter saying about all this? Well, talk about Twitter and your professional learning network, right? So leaning mm -hmm. onto each other, but also that broader community that we have. And and they're saying a lot of the same things that we're saying. Um, I really liked um, one person comment about the fact that they're seeing teachers collaborate more than ever right now. And I'm certainly seeing that among my teachers as well. Uh, we just can't do it alone. We really do, like you said, Rena, need to divide and conquer. And there's so many opportunities, even if we're distant, we can do that through Google Meets. And if we can have a shared space in which to... Um, have those lessons like a repository so mm -hmm. we can uh, grab from one another that really does cut down on our workload. So uh, Pam, goes, are, you, are you saying that there's a lot of teachers wearing that t-shirt that Reno was talking about? <laughs> well, soon will be, right? <laughs> We're going to be a tattoo. <laughs> and the other part of that <laughs> They can include is the together we're better because definitely seeing that as well. We really mm -hmm. do need to be together on this work. Mm -hmm. For sure. 
All right. So our next part of this conversation is the feedback piece of it. So if we can be effective and efficient in the feedback process, that can really be a, a time saver for teachers because that takes a lot of time to give feedback to students on what they're doing. But without feedback, you, it's really difficult to grow and become better. Mm -hmm. that, that growth mindset is almost impossible without feedback. So one, one thing that I think about with feedback is, um, is the audio and video component. It takes a long time to type out comments and mm -hmm. kids don't even read them half the time. So <laughs> if you can integrate the audio and video and then your youngest learners, um, mm -hmm. they can't read it anyway. So they need that, that audio video. I was at a workshop not so long ago and we did a little uh, challenge and it was actually with voice typing in, in Google Docs. And the challenge was, where's our fastest typer in the room? And then who's the person who can read this? Or, ex yeah, who could just read their comments back? So they had a paragraph. One was typing it as fast as they could, and the other one was saying it. The one saying it could input the content at least twice as fast as the fastest typer in the room, and she could type over 100 words a minute. I think you just uh, helped me out to plan my next professional learning engage activity. There you go. Thank All you. Right. <laughs> no, it, and it, it was a real eye-opener for everyone in the room. It's like, wow, look at how we can be twice as efficient if we're using verbal comments. Rena, do you have, do you have some thoughts about feedback? Uh, yeah, so <laughs> something I was really thinking about is that feedback doesn't have to come just from the teacher. It doesn't have to come mm -hmm. just from you. Um, you can get others involved. I know there's lots of um, other staff members right now that are jumping in. That could be part of that. But I really think students can provide feedback to one another. There is going to be some setup involved and maybe more so with younger learners to really teach them how to give feedback and providing them maybe with a rubric or a list, um, even those sentence stems of providing feedback that we talked about in an early episode. But if you empower students to give each other feedback, it's going to make you be more efficient and it will be just as effective, if not more effective, because it, think about if you can teach something, you know it. So they're actually learning while providing feedback for one another. And I actually... I have a self-reflection song that I, I have an awesome dance. You're not going to be able to see my dance. Are you going to sing? But, um, um, I'm, and it's not my good voice, but I'm just saying I always do it with little kids. So you point at yourself and I always point at my, my head, but I always say, when you think about when you are giving feedback or reflection, the first person should be yourself. So you need to teach students first before you just, you know, turn it in, give yourself feedback yeah. Then get feedback from your classmates and then you can get feedback from the teacher. You can also ask questions this way. So I always go me, 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 classmates, classmates, teacher. So this, this is a dance that goes with it. All right, Rena, here we go. <laughs> me, 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 classmates, classmates, teacher. We, we're, I don't think our music and uh, lyrics are quite together yet. So I, I have found even adding that physical movement, that could be a brain break you do, but empowering those students to give feedback is going to be beneficial for both you and your students. You know, and I think sometimes we sell our kids short. Mm -hmm. they, they have a lot to offer. Mm -hmm. We need to give them that voice. Pam, what do, you, what do you think about the whole feedback topic? 
Well, when I think about that effective and efficient, I think about um, a time I worked with a teacher who um, was math and being able to correct all those tests, 120 students, 120 tests, and how much time that took. And I was like, oh, you know, you can automate that. Do uh, digitize those tests. And then that gets done for you. And it's like, oh, but I don't have time. You know, the time to, I've already got the, the printed copy. I can go with the copier quick and pass that out. The time to digitize that. And I'm like, but I think that's an investment. In fact, I know it's an investment if you make is going to have such good results returns Mm -hmm. for you. And so then she did it. And I'll never forget bumping into her in the hallway and the look on her face. And she's like, oh, Pam, what a difference that made. It was so much more effective because the students got the information or the feedback instantly back. I could not correct those faster than a day or two. And by then we've moved on to another lesson. The kids don't really care about that feedback anymore. They got it instantly. It was so much more effective. And then not only that, but as a professional, I was not spending my time on that tedious work of correcting all those papers, you know, AB, you know, checking them up. I could really use it to do what I'm professionally geared to do, which is analyze Mm -hmm. that data, design learning to meet the needs that are identified in the data. I finally could reach that objective Mm -hmm. as a professional. So, um, yeah, automating it too where you can is so important. And I just want to point out that the reason that we we provide feedback for students, but I love that you pointed out that we're going to use that feedback to actually inform instruction because oh. that is so important. And that's where she felt like she was lagging. It's like I just, by the time I got it back, I didn't have time to really look at the data. We were already mm-hmm. moving on. And then that's missed opportunity in the data. So, mm-hmm. yeah. That's a win-win. And actually, that ties in nicely to the next topic, which is effective and efficient grading, because grading and feedback are a lot of times tied together, even though they're not the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, In fact, I liked giving feedback as a teacher, but I didn't really like grading all that much. It was one of my least favorite things, uh, partly because it was usually summative. And like you said, Pam, then we move on and kids don't really care anymore. Um, One thing that when I first started teaching, I was, I was an English teacher and I actually took a class at university about workload and grading. It's like, how do you keep your life sane, especially as an English teacher with all the grading? One of my favorite um, solutions was the portfolio approach where you let kids develop a portfolio of samples of their work. And that really pertains to writing, but it can work to a lot of different, different topics where mm-hmm. kids get to practice, 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 try to get better. The, the feedback is formative, so my next piece can get better. And then at the end of the process, they get to pick their very best from the portfolio to be graded. As a teacher, I'm only grading a few pieces, but they get to write tons of things. And then the pressure is mm-hmm. off a little bit because it's not always this high-stakes summative thing every single time. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I just point out to you, formative assessment, really feedback should be informative assessment because that's yeah. the feedback students are going to look at and it's going to be valuable. I don't know. I'm going to say as a student, when I got a test back and we were moving on to the next subject, I mean, that wasn't necessarily the feedback I was looking at. I wasn't changing anything based on that feedback. <laughs> These are making me think about Catlin Tucker's in her um, Blended Learning in Action book. I love this one quote, quote and I pull it out and I use it with my teachers from time to time, but it's don't spend 90% of your energy time giving feedback on the finished product put that 90% into giving students feedback as they work. It's that formative. That is so important. It reminds me of when I collected some uh, English research papers from like 90 students and (laughs) I looked at the results and turned it in to see how many people actually looked at the feedback, like 13. (laughs) 
And each one took like an hour to grade. So I was like, okay, I'm, I need to change that. All right, speaking of change, let's change the topic here a little bit and hop into our tool talk. And uh, it's the tool this week is a little more uh, general. It's learning mm -hmm. management system. So there could be different flavors of this depending on what your district adopts. But let's talk about the efficiency elements in a learning management system. And, and I'll just get us started with the assignments piece. Um, doing assignments through a learning management system can be really efficient because the distribution is automated, the collection is automated, papers don't get lost on my desk, all the files are managed right in that assignment. If I have rubrics, they're digitally attached, the gradebook can be integrated, I don't have to break my back carrying home my big box of papers every weekend. Um, there's just a lot of really efficiencies there and kids like it too because they don't lose their work. Many LMSs have that um, integrated assessment or test quiz option for that. Again, where you're checking um, for understanding on that lower order thinking skill before they're set off into the higher order, um, gen or digitize that or automate that. And many LMSs have that available. And it's really great because it's a one-stop shop and you don't have to go to, I know we've talked about when they're overwhelmed with tools, they can be embedded in there, but I just know the one space I need to go to and it makes a huge difference. That's right. So as we think back on our conversation today on the topic of developing efficient and effective practices, mm -hmm. um, what is a big, the one big takeaway, one thing you maybe would do tomorrow or get started with tomorrow? You know, I think it's just for teachers to realize it's not selfish to want to be efficient. Mm -hmm. If you have more left to give to your students because you're not burnt out, because you're not overworking, that is a huge gift that you're giving to them. Mm -hmm. So it's okay to try to be as efficient as possible. That's not a selfish thing. Absolutely. And leverage that technology to take some of that necessary but time-consuming, tedious tasks, like the correcting of the quizzes, off the plate so you can really then focus on those, um, those more, not more professional, it's all professional, but that being that designer facilitator of learning um, to really have that time not to be the corrector. And I think I'm just going to reiterate empowering students through student-centered lessons to in incorporate student feedback cycles. So everything isn't on you and students will be more engaged. Let's wish our teachers to take care of themselves, right? And be efficient and keep honoring and serving your kids. Be kind to yourself. So we've shared our one things, our big takeaways today. Now it's time for you to think about it. What is your one thing? What's your one thing for today? for this week and for the next month. Thanks for listening to Tech Talk for Teachers. We invite you to visit us at avidopenaccess.org where you can explore tech tips, grab-and-go lessons, templates, and videos that will help you bring remote learning to life. We want to hear from you, so let's continue the conversation. Join us each Tuesday at 7.30 p.m. Central for live chat on Twitter, where we will facilitate conversations related to remote and hybrid learning. Look for hashtag Tech Talk for Teachers. We will discuss your responses on future podcasts. You can also call us and leave a message at 858-223-8999. Please share your comments or feel free to ask us a question. Once again, that's 858-223-8999. We'll be back here next Wednesday for a fresh episode of Tech Talk for Teachers. Thanks for listening and have a great week. And remember, go forth and be awesome.
Thanks for all you do. You make a difference.